episode 271 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. Fly with Garmin Avionics, then grab your mobile device and make the Garmin Pilot app your cockpit companion. Get advanced functions you'll use before, during, and after every flight, including updating your aircraft's databases and logging engine data, plan, file, fly, log with Garmin Pilot. The Pilot to Pilot podcast is brought to you by Learn the Finer Points. Use the link below to save 10% off their ground school app. Today's episode is brought to you by Bose Aviation. Quiet the noise, amplify the experience. The Bose A30 Aviation headset is the best combination of comfort, audio clarity, and active noise cancellation on the market. Transform your flying experience at Bose.com slash A30. Hi, I'm uh, Gray Guthrie. Uh, I'm a Navy pilot. Uh, flown uh, both fixed wing and helicopters for the Navy. Went to the Naval Academy and here to talk about talk about my journey to get to the point where I'm at today. Um, and this, I'm not planning on saying anything controversial today, but I have to uh, say that it's all the views are mine and not the uh, Department of Defense's or the Navy's. Um, so, just that's the legal disclaimer <laughs> I have to say. Aviation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot to Pilot podcast. Today's episode is a really cool one for me. It is with my buddy, Gray Guthrie. Uh, Gray and I are the type of friends that have pretty much gone through every single grade of school together outside of maybe kindergarten. <laughs> uh, we have essentially played all sports together and gone to every school, like I said, and been friends for many, many years. And when I say that it's cool to see someone live out their dreams, I truly mean it when I say this because Gray was one of the most determined people I've ever met in my life at a very early age to the fact where like, oh, I didn't even understand what he wanted to do or how he was going to do it at age seven or whatever it was when I found out he wanted to go to the Naval Academy and fly planes. So it's really cool to see someone be so determined and do it and really achieve their goals. So kudos to you, man. It's really awesome. And I'm excited for you to share your experience and share your story with everyone else and hopefully encourage others to want to join the Naval Academy, be a Navy pilot or whatever it might be. So Aviation, I hope you enjoy this episode with my buddy Gray. It's a great one and he has done some really cool stuff and I'm looking forward to the future for him. So without any further ado, Here's episode 271 with Gray Guthrie. Gray, what's going on, man? Welcome to the Pilot to Pilot podcast. Thanks, man. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> it's so weird that we're doing this. I'm not going to lie. Uh, just the fact that I have a podcast and I'm a pilot and you're a pilot. <laughs> because what people don't know is that we went to pretty much every grade of school together since yep. we were, what, like literally four, five? Yes, something like as young that. as you could be to start school. Yeah. yeah. And yep. the craziest thing is, is I... My dad's probably more proud about this for you than he is about me being a pilot. But he's like, Gray's always wanted to be a pilot. Ever since he was whatever, show and tell from the first time, probably dressed up like a Navy fighter pilot, came and said, I want to be a Navy fighter pilot. And guess what? You did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he loves telling that story. And he's always like, ah, oh, Gray Guthrie, you should have been more like him. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is really cool. And I think it's going to be really interesting to talk about that and, yeah. and the road to doing that. because you were like the smartest kid you read the most or an eagle scout you were doing stuff that i wasn't doing when i was 10 12 15 right. 16 <laughs> yeah so i think it's really interesting to see how you were so determined over this one goal and how you actually made it happen okay yeah um so i guess i'll start with like the 
the very beginning, like you said, when I was really young, um, for whatever reason, I, I guess every little kid wanted to be like an astronaut or a firefighter or whatever, but I kind of latched onto the astronaut thing. You know, I think Apollo 13 came out like when we were little and some of those other things. And so I started uh, just being like, oh, I want to do that. And so my parents helped me out and there was a thing in the paper where they're like, hey, if you have any questions, you can write NASA and they'll write you back. So <laughs> How they, old were you when this happened? I, I, five or six, probably. <laughs> and so uh, they helped me uh, write, you know, some chicken scratch <laughs> crayon letter to NASA saying, um, like, I'm interested in being an astronaut. Like, how do I do it? And NASA was great. They sent back, like, a manila envelope, big, eight and a half by 11 uh, stack of papers on all kinds of, like, pamphlets and stuff. They are really cool. And you still have them? What? You still have it? The I, yeah, it's got to be somewhere back there um, at the house. Uh, and in it, uh, they were saying, like, where all the astronauts came from. And this is still true to this day. So, And this is probably, I'm sorry, the Air Force and Army, the start of some barbs <laughs> towards both those services. But the Naval Academy has more astronauts graduating from that school okay. than any other school in the country. So. Um, the dream kind of morphed a little bit too. So I was like, oh, well, I want to do the Naval Academy because that's like a great way to do it. And uh, over the years, just you have to uh, be pretty dedicated and know what you want to do to like kind of like get yourself in a position to uh, apply and be accepted to yeah. the Academy. It's and not so, something you can just wake up your sophomore year of high school and be like, I want to go to the Naval Academy. <laughs> right. I mean, if you're, if you're, <laughs> you could, if you're, if you've always been like, uh, <laughs> uh good with your extracurriculars and your leadership and all that stuff but it, yeah it definitely it's a good goal to have for like any kid too because all the stuff you're doing to try to get set up for that you're going to be good for anywhere else you want to go to because right. it's not it's nothing crazy it's like they're they're just they're looking for people who take an interest in their community and leadership and sports and all that stuff and school obviously um we used to have, what, books for bugs in elementary school. Yeah. We lived in Charlotte, and it was the, the Charlotte Hornets did a thing in all the local schools. And up in the cafeteria, they had, like, was it minutes read or books read? Yeah. In Gray's name. So all the way to the right was, like, zero. All the way to the left was, like, 10,000. And yeah. Gray's name was always <laughs> as far left as it could be. And I'm convinced to this day it was all a lie. You didn't read that. Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I still can't believe, like, some of the, how much I read then. <laughs> Little little nerdy uh, elementary school kid what were you reading? crushing those NASA books. books? <laughs> yeah, I mean everything could like yeah. count, you know. Yeah. So um, I remember I liked biographies a lot. That was always cool. Yeah. Um, so that also helped with like the military, you know. Joining that, I was, I was just reading like all the George Washington biographies yeah. and all that stuff was always cool. I so. remember um, I was in third grade and my teacher cheated. And she lied. And we'd be like, we read 10 minutes. She's like, okay, so you read an hour. Cool. Yeah. And then she's like, we win this every year. I was like, okay. And she's, our class won. Yeah, she's like, I'm not losing this again. Yeah. It's like, we're not losing this to gray. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, did your, so you've had this goal for your whole career. Like many people set goals and we all know, and some people fall short. They don't yeah. always accomplish them. How did you... Yeah, I'm not an astronaut, just so everyone listening knows. <laughs> yes. You're still young, right? Yeah. You can still do it. Yeah. SpaceX, you're going to get it in. One of our friends, little brothers works there. So there yep. you go. It's working out. There we go. Yeah. yeah. The dream is there. Um, but how did you maintain kind of that drive for this? Because, I mean, you say that 
it's not that much. But when you're 15, when you're 10, and when you see someone like me who's just like literally playing video games and not doing anything where you're out building stuff in the community and yeah. doing cool things, like how'd you keep that drive? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, it's just, I think once you get that kind of bug and you get, you're like, I need to do this. Like it just kind of starts piling up you know, as you knock one thing off the list and knock another thing off the list and you're like, you can start seeing that goal get closer. It kind of helps keep you focused on that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a, it's a lot to ask of a high schooler to, to dedicate a lot of that stuff to. Um, and just every year it just keeps getting tougher and tougher because it's just so competitive, yeah. you know? Um, so even just from the time, like when we were applying to colleges in 2007, to now it's like even crazier so i all the kids doing it now i give them major props too <laughs> <laughs> You're like wow i could have never got it <laughs> yeah i know it's a tough school to get into yeah, now <laughs> oh man i think well, we have two people from our no, yeah. Yeah, two, yeah 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 our province always turns out uh to a couple of academies a yeah. couple of kids every year so it's a good school for them yeah definitely absolutely um i remember we'll talk a little bit about like did you have any disappointments going on this this path? Was there anything that like either made you want to waver from your dream or you like pretty much rock solid the whole time? Um there was you start to like you visit other colleges and stuff, um and see that, and then you go like Naval Academy has stuff to go visit and see it. And so you start to like compare a little bit, like there's a summer seminar at the Naval Academy where you go and you spend a night in the hall for three nights or whatever. And they kind of give you a real experience and all that. Like the actual experience, like a, a little life. bit, <laughs> like you get to like sleep and they do like an hour of the, like yelling at you or whatever yeah. to give you a little bit. And, and you then you still you're wanted sli- to go after that was I will, <laughs> I will tell you there was like a seed in my mind where you're like, wow, this kind of sucks. <laughs> you know? I was like, do I really want to do this? And you're like, well, I've been telling people for a long time. I want to do this. Like, <laughs> I can't not do this now. Um, and then you get there and you know, some days do kind of suck there. It's not a, it's not a normal college experience, but now years later, like you look back on it and you forget all those little things and you only remember the good things, which is probably why the school keeps still there, <laughs> still keeps getting people yeah. there. And, you know, you make friends for life there because you're kind of bond over that, um, you know, whatever crappy situation you're in or whatever, it really forms some tight friendships and, and you have friends for life and you look back and it's a beautiful campus when you come and visit. It is very pretty. We so, are actually here right now. So, yep. <laughs> uh, so you, uh, you look at, you only remember the good things. So that's, that's how it goes. But yeah, there's, there's definitely some times where you're walking through the snow to a thermodynamics exam and you know, all your friends are back at home already and you're just like, what am I doing with my life right now? <laughs> like, I'm about to go get my butt whooped by this exam. It's cold. It's windy on the I water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so there's definitely times like that. But um, there's also times where you're just like, it's so unique. And you see so many cool things, um, you know, when the Blue Angels fly over your school. You know, like, that's just like a very unique thing that um, you you see. And it's you're just like, you have to kind of sit back and be like, wow, this is actually a cool experience. and it, the T- the tough times are not too bad yeah. so now now like, now that i look back at it yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the moment terrible but now yeah if you if you did this podcast interview when i was a midshipman maybe you might hear some <laughs> <laughs> some different stories can you help me get out yeah. <laughs> um 
uh, I know that your family is a big Clemson family. Did you ever like go visit there and be like, I could just kind of live the normal life and go here and um, I don't know. I like you said, I was like pretty laser focused on yeah. on it. So like I did I was always like thinking about the academy and didn't really even think about that. You know, you did visit all the schools and all that. You're like, that would be kind of cool. But yeah, it's it was pretty much always yeah. Navy. What would you recommend to someone that wants to go to Naval Academy? Like you've been through this whole process, you've seen it from you know the beginning, the middle to now the end, or you're almost out. What would you recommend for like a 12 year old or even if that's too late or like when should they start i i don't think it's ever too late uh well it's too late when you're like yeah, when you're yeah. A senior in high school it's too yeah late. it yeah. may be too late for you then <laughs> but uh i would say one it's worth it it's a great school don't be intimidated by the um stories or anything like that uh it is it is absolutely worth it to go um i would i would totally do it again and then two is just uh make sure you're doing good in school and then um, they like to see a well-rounded person. So, like, you don't need to be, you know, the number one theater star in every play or the you don't have to be all state in your sport. They like to see, like, maybe you do play a sport and you have a leadership role in that. And then you also do something else, you know, and you try to take a leadership role in that. And you do it's, – it's, you're being a well-rounded person is something they want that can uh, be – a good officer that can relate to a lot of people is, is what they're looking for. So, uh, just being involved in everything. Don't, don't sit on the sidelines basically would be my biggest advice for them. It's just get out there, <laughs> go do something. <laughs> and most people that listen to this are more inclined to, to follow the, the aviation side. Yeah. Is it helpful to get private pilot license, anything like that or any kind of, um, experience? it's definitely, it's, it's a, that's like just another one, one yeah. of those things that's well like, a yeah, yeah, that can be a unique identifier yeah. for you. And it's, and it's also something that shows, um, it's a good way to sh demonstrate your ability to see through on a difficult task, yeah. right? Getting 40 hours, you know, sitting through the ground school, yeah. all those exams and just going through that, you're kind of demonstrating that you have the ability to kind of buckle down and, yeah. and do adversity that. Yeah. And, yeah. And do it. So. Yep. Absolutely. And I would imagine that a lot of kids have the dream of one, getting the Naval Academy, two, becoming a Navy pilot. Mm -hmm. and not everyone gets to do that right right when uh how early do you do you know that track how early are you either like crushed or excited or so your whole uh career there they're exposing you to everything okay. right so during the summers you're doing these summer trainings and um you'll go to a ship you know your first summer and kind of see that side of stuff uh and you're Second summer, you'll do what's called protramid. So you'll do a week with Marines, a week with submarines, a week with aviation, a week with the surface ships. So you get a little bit of that. And then the summer after your junior year, going into your senior year is where you tell them, hey, I, this is what I think I want to do. And they give you, they send you out for a month with um, whatever you want to do. For me, uh, I told them I want to be a pilot, and they said, "Well, we want you to be on a submarine, so we're sending you on a submarine." <laughs> oh, what was that like? Were you like, "Are you freaking?" <laughs> oh man, uh, I would. It's a special, special person that can do that. I I give them major props because uh, I was on a fast attack out of Groton, and we were underwater for you know like sixteen days. Holy smokes! Yeah, and I was just like. Uh, I never, I'm like not claustrophobic, but still like there's times when you kind of sit there and you're like, oh yeah, we're underwater. Um, <laughs> and just not seeing the sun and weird schedule and all that. Um, 
but that did help confirm to me that I did not want to yeah. be on a submarine. Um, so how do you convince the Navy that you shouldn't be in a submarine? Because they clearly told you, hey, Gray, we think your best attributes are underwater away from everyone. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, uh, just doing the engineering degree and all that was, they're always trying to get those guys with the engineering or the hard sciences in there because it is a tough job for the them doing nuke school. But then I, you just kind of tell them that you're, this is my dream, this is my path or whatever. And they do a good job of, I think, 90-something percent of people get their first choice of what they want to do. And so that happens your fall of your senior year. is They call it service selection and you find out what you want. It's a pretty exciting day. Yeah, or terrible or, day. Or terrible day. Yeah, depending <laughs> on how it goes. But I will say, if you want to be a military aviator, the largest air force in the world is the United States Navy. So, um, and the Naval Academy, we send a lot of, a lot of people every year graduating, go to be on Navy pilots. So, or, uh, Naval flight officers. So it's, it's a, it's a definitely a, if you want to fly, it's the Navy is a good path. Don't just think that just the air force is the only way if you need, if you want to fly. And you don't so. have to go to the, you can go to the officer training school. Oh, yeah. Officer Canada school or ROTC, all those still yeah. produce. So the Naval Academy only produces about a third of the officers for the Navy. Right. So about a third comes from Academy, a third from ROTC, which is your ROTC units at your, uh, Clemson. Yeah. Normal whatever, schools. Yeah. And then a third are is officer candidate schools. That's guys that have already graduated. And then you go through like a 10 week basic training. Do you ever course. look at them and be like, you lucky dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you son of a <laughs> Yeah. They, uh, uh, um, you try, you try not to be uh, too uh, stuck up around yeah. them. The academy guys definitely have that reputation, the ring knocker reputation of just being <laughs> like, oh, well, I went to the academy. <laughs> you know? So you try not to perpetuate that too much. But you also do give everyone a hard time, be yeah. like, uh, kind of joke about it too. Being like, oh, yeah, that's where I went. I went to Annapolis. Um, <laughs> I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the Globo yeah. gym meme. <laughs> yeah. what, um, it's all good, good, good fun. So the fall senior year, you're going to find out what you're doing. Is it like a rank list? Like you rank like one, two, three, four? Yep, yep. And then they choose based on need? So like based, Yeah, it's, so it's you'll, the one frustrating thing you'll always hear throughout your entire career is needs of the Navy. Yeah. Um, and That's like their get, a, get out of jail free card, like suck it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's their like, I mean, and you get to understand eventually, I mean, there's jobs that have to be filled and they have to have to be filled by someone. So, um, you can't just like leave them empty because someone doesn't want to do it. So, uh, so yeah, you rank your preferences. They have their needs to fill, um, the manpower guys that figure all this out. They figure it down to the, like the actual job number, what they need for each, each position. And they tell them like, this is what we need for pilots. This is what we need for SWOs and all this. And, and then they kind of match that against preferences. And it's pretty interesting, like, that people almost, like, self-sort to oh, really? just about to the, like, it's not much. Like I said, like, 90% of people probably end up with their thing. So it's, it's it's pretty crazy that people kind of find their their niche. And what they was your number two? What was it submarines that you really said that? <laughs> no. So I put uh, NFO second. So that's uh, the Naval Flight Officer. Okay. Because I just like, even if I wasn't going to be a pilot, I just wanted to be involved in aviation, yeah. you know? So I put that second. And then um, I don't even remember after that because I was just <laughs> hoping, <laughs> I, was kind of, I think I was just hoping, being like, hopefully it doesn't go any yeah. lower than that. So. so you find out 
uh, it's, it's like a big ceremony, I'm guessing. Yeah. You figure it out. That is just saying like, hey, you have the, you are going to go fly now. Like yep. we're going to place you somewhere. They still choose, right? Or is it always in Pensacola? Always in Pensacola. So yeah. So Pensacola, Naval Air Station Pensacola is the cradle of naval aviation is what they call it for basically all of naval aviation history. That's where every uh, person starts at. Um, so, you know, from the get go, that's where you're going. Um, so you graduate in May. That summer, you're kind of, you're waiting. They kind of stagger everyone down there. So you're hanging out in Annapolis, which was a great, great, great time. Um, highly recommend uh, if there's any Naval Academy soon-to-be graduates out there listening <laughs> to uh, to hang out in Annapolis waiting for flight school to start. Um, then you head down to Pensacola uh, and there is IFS, which is 10 hours in a Cessna. And that's the Navy's cost-effective way of double-checking to make sure this is what you want to do. Um, you can do it. There, that you can do it. Yeah, that you're not. It, so it's just your. It's it's run by civilian flight school companies. So it's just like if you went to go get your private pilot's license, it's same instructors. It's the first ten hours of a private pilot. So you do a ground school and then you do ten hours. You know, just doing your basic stall recoveries and all that stuff. So then you have the civilian CFI that then like goes to the Navy and says like, he can't do it. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's not really that like high pressure. It's like teaching and it's, it's really more, you'd be surprised. There's a couple people probably every year that are just like, actually, this isn't what I want to do. And I mean, it's much different when you actually get in the air. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Or take the controls. Like some of the people didn't like the, like they liked flying, but they didn't like the having being responsible for safely (laughs) landing the plane. (laughs) They're like, once they realize that, like, oh man, like it's on me. They're like, oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, yeah, maybe that's not for me or, or maybe they're air sick that they didn't think they would be air sick. And so, uh, that's the Navy's way of saying before we invest a ton of money in you, letting us figure out that. So you do that first, and then you do um, the API and aviation pre-flight indoctrination. I'm pulling that one from deep. <laughs> someone right now is looking like that's not it at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's someone in Pensacola that's mad yeah. at me right now. But uh, that is six weeks of uh, courses and water survival. And so that's the basics that everyone goes through. Um, just a good introduction of aerodynamics, weather, uh, base, all your basic stuff for classes. And then the water survival, obviously, with being a naval aviator, you're going to be flying over the water. Um, so that's a big emphasis throughout flight training. Uh, so you do, uh, let's see here, all kinds of swims, treadings, you do like a mile swim in a flight suit and boots. Um, do they drown you? <laughs> drown proofing, yeah. yeah. Yep. The like, do you all, ever think you're gonna die? <laughs> no, I didn't think <laughs> I was going to, but yeah, there's gonna be some non fun days. Yeah. And then, yeah, all the, all the different survival skills, basics for that. And that's basically all your time in Pensacola. So it can, it can go by pretty quick, or if it's like backed up and, you know, there's always, it just depends on when you're down there. Um, you can spend a couple months down there, or just or be out of there in like a month and a half if it's if it's moving crazy fast. So if it goes, if you're there for a month and a half, like what do you what do you leave with? Like, 
Are you do you don't have any ratings or anything? Like nothing, that? nothing. That's just you're still a baby, okay. baby student naval aviator is what they call you, student naval aviator, and uh, um, you get to wear a flight suit at the end of it once you finish. <laughs> uh, once you finish API, Did you, you have like a poser when you put that on. You're like, I can't. No, you're just like, you're this like 22 year old kid. And just that thinks you're the coolest person <laughs> in the world when you put that on and they have a flight suit, flight suit Fridays. So every two weeks when like the most recent class gets their flight suits at the Oak club in Pensacola, they like host a little party. Oh, that's cool. Um, and so everyone goes over there and the new guys are in their flight suits and you know, you just try not to take some like embarrassing picture that's going to end up on <laughs> social media where the actual pilots are going to make fun of you. Uh, Reputation will last. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. the kid. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, cause they issue you all your gear, uh, and everything. So everyone, everyone goes home and tries it on in their like room with the door <laughs> shut, but you just don't want to be the guy that's like posting that on social media because <laughs> you're going to get a hard time because you get your cool, uh, leather Navy flight jacket. Yeah. Um, but most people don't wear that until they get their wings. Okay. It's just like a bad juju thing. Yeah. Uh, so you just, that sits in your closet for two years and then you if get you your fail out or anything. You have to give the, the you have to give the jacket back. Oh, that would suck. That would really suck. <laughs> that yeah. That's like suck. the one thing you have to give back oh. It's like they have, you have to give that back. So, all right. So you get all that. What's, um, what's like the next, is it another selection process or what comes next? So the next is primary flight training. Uh, so primary flight training is just, is again, everyone goes through this no matter what you're going to fly and it's fixed wing, uh, flying in a two seat turboprop, uh, Texan, uh, T6, T6 yeah. Texan. When I went through, this is, I'm starting to feel old was the end of the T34, uh, turbo mentor, uh, same. Yeah. 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 That thing had been flying forever. They were switching over to the T6 then. Um, but I was still in the T34. Uh, and the options are either Corpus Christi, Texas or, uh, Milton, Florida, which is just North of Pensacola, a little bit inland. And that's, uh, the two bases that you do. And that's that course. Again, it always depends on weather and, uh, how many people are there, how long it takes, but it should take, I think about six months if you're moving quickly, if you get everything done and that's basics of, uh, start with like a systems class and then you do your basic, just VFR flying, figuring all that out, do a VFR solo at the end of that. And then you do your precision aerobatics. So that's, that gets you some fun stuff doing your loops and all that. And then, instruments go through instruments get your instrument clearance at the end and then uh and then you do some form flying at the end too and so that gives you exposure to everything and so that and that is what everyone does and at the end of that is when you put in what you what pipeline you think you want to do uh so your options at that point are helicopters uh big wings which are e6s or p8s and then uh or jets. Uh, and I probably don't have the most up-to-date information because I think they keep switching how they do the pipelines for jets on the F-18s versus the E-2C2 pipeline, which is the uh, other guys that have tail hooks that land on the carriers. But somewhere in that process, you split out between those jets and E-2C2s. But 
yeah, the big that's the big thing. It's basically tail hook, helos, or big wings. You went to Corpus, right? Yeah, I was yeah, in Corpus. Corpus. Yep. When we ran into each other, that one. When I was flying aerial survey and I was literally, I tell, we talked to a story yesterday, yeah. so it's like old news now, but <laughs> I was driving in an Uber and I look over to my left and I literally see you walking down the street in San Antonio. Yeah. Were you in Corpus when you were doing I was, okay, yeah. So you were yep. still in training then when I was going. Yep, okay. yep, yep. So San Antonio is like an hour and a half, hour and a half yeah. uh, north of Corpus and in uh, uh, Austin's about three hours. So we spent a lot of weekends in both those, <laughs> uh, both those towns getting out of getting out of corpus that corpus was, corpus was fun but uh you wanted to something I've different sometimes before. i don't think it's that fun <laughs> <laughs> you you can find ways to make corpus fun <laughs> it's like um del rio i've been to del rio before too yeah where the air force goes it's yeah like, i don't think that place is funny no yeah well i try to avoid bashing corpus because there's a surprising amount of people from there and there's just so many times where like one of my friends will be telling a story about how much they hated corpus and like the like commanding officers like oh, I'm from Corpus. <laughs> you're like, I love that place. And you're like, oh, I mean, yeah, it's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you live is great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what was? I guess everything in this whole process is kind of like more difficult, right? Like, yeah, it kind of just keeps getting harder and harder and harder. Yep. From not knowing what to really expect from being a plebe year one Naval Academy to learning how to fly a plane in the the navy what would you say was more difficult more shocking or like harder to kind of overcome um i think figuring out how to like study and sit down and do that was more than you hear about uh because i think pilots are always you know pretty relaxed fun-loving guys and uh don't want to look like they're trying too hard but what you don't see is like in the background is like they are like working hard to make sure they're good at their craft. So that was like one thing It's like, you would always hear from your friends ahead of you. They're like, Pensacola is awesome. Like all we're doing is partying and it's a good time. Cause like when you get down there initially, you're waiting around to start. So you do, you are like going out to the bars, you're on the white sand beaches and you're like, this is amazing. And then you like, don't hear from those people for a while. And you don't realize it's cause they're, they're they're studying <laughs> they have to study or they're not going to make it um so that was that was like the i would say the biggest adjustment was it's just not all like this glamour and just going to be given to you like you do have to spend every night memorizing emergency procedures and studying your systems and um say what you will about like if you do need to like have the hydraulic system memorized and can draw it from memory um but i do think it does teach you a, um, a good amount about your aircraft that you're flying and all that. And it does make you a better like professional aviator. And, and the Navy's obviously figured out like this system is like a good way of turning people that have zero flight hours into very good pilots. Um, so yeah, I think that is the, that's the number one thing is, is uh, set your expectations that it, it is a lot of work, you know, uh, it's, it's a lot of, it can be a lot of stress when you just have, uh, a lot of, you can get home and you can't really turn your brain off because you're like, well, I could be studying this, you know, cause if you don't study your limits for a little bit, they start to get, you know, a little fuzzy, you know, and tomorrow 
your instructor could be like, oh, what's the max turbine temperature for this, you know? And so, uh, uh, and so you want to, you always have to have that stuff going. So it, it, it is a little bit more stressful when you think you do, you need to sit on the couch a little bit and just be like, relax and turn it off. But it's hard to, because you, you can be like, oh, well, I could go through my flashcards one more time or I could do this. Um, so that, that was the biggest like mindset shift for me. And just the more I've flown, the more, I've seen the importance of it and, and appreciate, you know, what it is to be like a professional and staying up to date on everything and, and not just kind of mailing it in. Right. Is, Cause people can mail it in. You can, you can mail it in until something goes yeah, wrong. Eventually it comes up to, to bite you in the butt. Yeah. But so eventually you're going to have to perform and if you mail it in and don't pay attention to your skirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I've, I've gradually, grown to see I think it's fun to stay up to date on all the stuff and you it, if it becomes your craft and it becomes your passion and all that then you can it's just another part of your day if you enjoy aviation right. like reading about aviation is fun that's why it's a great job right yeah. it's uh so staying up to date and being a professional can be like you can sit hard. there yeah it's not it gets bad. easier as you go on right right yeah you you have that accumulated knowledge yeah. base or that's that's the other thing that's hard to like remember going back it's like i didn't know anything right. but now you you have that those thousands of hours in the air and yeah. the, all the those nights studying to make it where when you're when you're uh aircraft commander or whatever that you can have those nights off yeah. and not have to worry about studying because <laughs> you've put in the time you know and you just have to stay fresh and and you have to go back and study every now and then to st keep yourself fresh but it's not like it's you put in the work, so now you can be okay. What's the relationship like? Well, I mean, obviously, if I like, all my training was civilian, so if I didn't like my flight instructor, I could be like, "Peace out, dude." Like, yeah, I'm paying you a shit ton of money, like I'm going somewhere else. Like, yeah, like, right. What's the relationship like, uh, an instructor to student pilot in the Navy? Is it kind of do they yell at you a lot? Is it kind of like a like how's that how's that kind of formatted? Uh, it depends. It's definitely a uh. You call your instructor, sir, you know, uh, it's a pretty professional relationship. It's not like too chummy, you know, there are definitely some yellers and there's definitely some teddy bears that are, you know, going to cuddle you, uh, uh, and touch me. <laughs> the, tell you everything's going to be all right yeah. and they'll be really nice. So there's different techniques of, uh, of how people do it. I mean, yeah, you'll get screamed at pretty good sometimes and other people will be like, oh, don't worry about it. But everyone has like a certain standard that you have to meet. Um, they're not going to hesitate to fail you on a flight if you didn't do it, but they're also going to help train you to get better too. So, uh, well, I'd imagine like the Navy doesn't want you to fail out, right? They, no, they don't, money on you, so they don't, gonna but they're also not going to push you through if you're right. not going to make it right. But they so will try their best. To they they will give you every opportunity. They yeah. will definitely give you every opportunity they can to get yeah. you through. Cause um, eventually you have to perform. You like, do, yeah. you do. Um, so, uh, the biggest difference is in the training is once you get your wings, the wings of gold, that's like the standard. They want to make sure that no one gets those that's not deserving of those. So I would say this, once you have your wings, you're going on to fly like your specific platform. And that's when it becomes more like, uh, you're still getting in training, but you're not calling your instructor, sir, anymore. Even if they're like a higher rank than you, it becomes a little more, uh, collegiate, like, um, uh, 
you're you can be friends with your instructor and and once you get to your squadron as you're upgrading your quals you know those are your like friends that you go out with on your weekends and so it's professional in the cockpit and uh but it's you're good you're not like it's not like a tense relationship like before your wings um you know, it's some you nerves. Prove yourself yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You weren't there yet. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't wear the leather jacket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're just a nervous 22 year old. Yeah. And these guys that are instructing you have done a full tour in their aircraft. They've done deployments, um, at a minimum. So the like lieutenants are coming back, um, uh, at a minimum have done a deployment. And so, yeah, they're experienced. They're really really good pilots um so you yeah you're a little bit nervous and they're not gonna like give you anything until <laughs> until you do get those wings and then after that it's all it's all fun they're little teddy bears yeah 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 <laughs> let's take a break from today's episode and hear from our sponsor raa hey justin here and look investment planning is complicated stuff that's why my partners at raa created a free virtual workshop where their airline specialized advisors will answer the top four investment questions people in airline community are asking today like how to make the most out of cash on hand strategies for asset allocation, Roth conversions, and more. There are two dates to attend, May 23rd and May 25th. Join from home, between flights, or wherever it's convenient for free. It's RAA's Virtual Investment Planning Workshop, May 23rd and May 25th. Register today at raa.com slash events. And now back to today's episode. What uh, Did you ever have a moment when in this primary training era where you were like, I don't know if I can do this, or was it pretty good? Uh, yeah, no, definitely. I definitely, I failed some flights. Um, like you said, like with like instructor stuff, like, uh, you know, didn't get along sometimes and, uh, but you know, that's not an excuse. So it's just like, it's just more, you just have to like buckle down harder and be like, Hey, if me and another person don't have a good relationship, you know, the only way to beat that is to, to just show up knowing everything and being good. So, uh yeah so there's always uh with you fail a couple things when you're especially when you're not used to failing things uh can be a a shake up and be like wow what am i gonna do if i can't do this like this is what i've always wanted to do but um i think it makes you stronger and you you either give up and you be like all right i'll just let them you know keep failing me and kick me out or you like buckle down and you study harder and you know i studied and and worked and and was fine and never had an issue after that so any good stories about the times you messed up or (laughs) (sighs) i'm trying to remember it's just it's just like it's nothing anything specific it's just what nosedive straight to the ground (laughs) no what happens is you know you just get those helmet fires where just it just starts snowballing and everything starts starts going wrong and you're like you just mess up dumb things because you just it just keeps going and building on each other and you're just like and now looking back on it you're like gosh i was so dumb (laughs) like you know especially like being an instructor pilot and you can see those helmet fires developing because you're just your essay bubble is what we call in the navy like situational awareness gets bigger and bigger the more experience you have and you can see those simple mistakes that are compounding that the junior pilot's making and can kind of watch it develop and kind of let them do it until you need to step in. And so it's, yeah, it, it is kind of funny to look back at it now and be like, gosh, that was such a simple thing that you just let get out of control. And so you, but it's a good, it's great learning to be able to learn an essential pilot skill. I think of being able to take a deep breath, 
And if you made a mistake, don't let it turn into more mistakes. Just reset yourself, get ready to go, get those cool things. And so that's like, I think that's one of been one of my strengths now flying is just not getting too, uh, turned up just being very even keeled and that's i've i've had several like emergency situations where it's just like i credit that to the training that like we went through is like is learning that even keeledness and uh and so you wouldn't get that i think otherwise no i mean but it's also like important to to let them go down that rabbit hole like you're saying it's like all right, see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. Don't kill me. But <laughs> yeah, I know. I just, I would love to go back and like talk to, I, cause I can't even remember like some of those things. Just be like, what, what were you thinking back there? Cause you have to just be sitting back there being like, cause these guys, these primary instructors, they see it every day. Yeah. You know, they fly, they fly. Like, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Same mistake. Like <laughs> yeah. I just saw this yesterday. Yeah. Like this kid's going <laughs> to do it again. And, uh, just like the kid yesterday. And so I was like, you just have to be kind of sitting there laughing to yourself again and be like, come on, you can get out of it. You can get out of it. And they're like, Oh, he's not going to get it. It's almost impossible to get out of it. Until you're done. Just because you're, once you get behind the airplane, it's so hard to get caught back up. Yep. So whether, I mean, that can be so many factors too, right? It doesn't have to, it could be, um, whether you're not feeling well, right. It doesn't have to be just, you're dumb or bad, but there's so many things. Exactly. Or you hear your instructor say one other thing. You thought he said this, but you don't want to talk up. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. uh, Why are we in Laredo and not Houston? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What are we doing? We're in Mexico. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. World war three started. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that happens in the civilian side too. Um, I mean, especially like on solos, if you like start going down right. the wrong rabbit hole, it's like, yeah, that's but, the scary part. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm guessing that happens in the military. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. What was your first solo like? Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was just really cool to be, uh, flying around doing what you want. It was a VFR solo. You take off, you go to like, we had like working areas mm-hmm. that, uh, are all divided up and reserved basically for each plane to go in and do their maneuver. So check into your working area. Yeah. You're the reason I can't fly through this MOA. Yeah. A stupid solo. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and just, it was really, really peaceful and like the joy of flying again, because like I said, like you're just stressed out there. You're going to make any tiny mistake, anytime an instructor is back there with you. So once you get past the nervousness of flying alone, uh, and you're like, and you get up and you're like, Hey, I'm actually doing this. You can look out the window and see the ocean and the shoreline and all that, and just kind of glide and cruise and do little maneuvers. And you're like, wow, this is actually, this is why I'm doing it. This is, this is fun. This is nice. Cause it's not always fun, right? Like, no, even yeah. in civilian, like, I mean, there's still times where you're like, I don't know if this is what I want to do. Right. <laughs> or for you, you're like, I got 10 more years left of this. Yeah, like, no exactly. What, but yeah. It's like, dang, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's moments like that. That's like really like the joy of aviation. And you're like, it was, they only send the solos up in good weather. Right. Yeah. You know, cause there's always a joke when like the storms rolling through is like launch the solos. But yeah, so be- I still remember beautiful crystal blue sky, you know, just flying, just flying. Yeah. And it was, it was really nice. And then you come back and you do a couple of touch and goes, uh, and then it was really busy. I remember when I got back and I started to get low on fuel, but you're in the pattern. So you feel okay about that. But then they keep sending me around because someone else was having <laughs> trouble getting in. And I'm just, and the second I was about to be like 
fuel mains, they're like, all right, you're clear to land. And I landed. Oh, and I was, I was like, gosh, I don't want to like, <laughs> I was like, I can't run out of fuel in my very first solo. Then I definitely won't do this. But like, I just, I was, cause we had like, you know, when you say men fuel, I forget like how many pounds left when you say men fuel and then you're like actual like men fuel. So yeah. I was about to say the first like men fuel that's not like, that's just like the advisory call or whatever that lets, there's an instructor down there that's uh, watching the solos to try to like talk you through if one of them gets, yeah. you know, a messed little up. scared right. or messed up or make sure your gear's down, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like all that stuff. And so I was about to tell him I was at men fuel and then tower ended up clearing me to land. So that was, that was the one spicy moment on my first solo. So that's hard though. I mean, that teaches you kind of like, I don't want to say responsibility, but when to speak up, right? Right. Like, yeah. Cause you've always had the instructor in the back yep. and not you. And you're yeah. like, Oh, when is like, you don't want to do it too early because you land, you have a ton of fuel left. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you want to wait too long to where you're like literally gliding. To yeah. The They're like, why did you fly out? <laughs> <laughs> why didn't you say anything? You're like, I don't know. I don't know. It seems like other people needed to <laughs> land, you know? But I mean, that stuff teaches you kind of like how things work though. Like, yeah. That's how you exactly. figure out aviation is through yeah. your own experiences or other people's experiences. Or yeah. say if you <laughs> glide it out, everybody's yeah. like, all right, you have been fueled. Say you have been fueled. Yeah. So yeah. that's just how it works. Yeah. Which is funny. Yeah. Uh, going through the flight training process, did you have, I guess the better question is when you started, you had a goal of what you wanted to do. Right. Did that change as you went through where you're like, oh, I kind of don't like this as much. I would rather do this. Yeah, it definitely does. Cause like, that's the other good thing of, of how they do the flight training is they, every community sends guys back to be instructors. So you get to talk to helicopter pilots, F-18 pilots, uh, P-8 pilots, you know, it, you get a, to talk to them and be like, and also from every station that they've been at. So you can get a feel for what part of the country or what part of the world you think would fit you, what kind of aircraft, because every, every community has its own unique culture and everything. Um, and so when I was going through it, kind of, I was drawn to the helicopters, um, one great locations. Uh, and then two, it's a very, uh, it's a very fun culture in helicopters for the Navy. Uh, a lot of really uh, relaxed, probably some bros in uh, <laughs> helicopters. Uh, that's it's a pretty good, fun community. Yeah. Uh, but so that's what I wanted to do. And then uh, Needs the Navy, like we talked about earlier, uh, sent me to Big Wing uh, to E6Bs, uh, which is a Boeing 707 base. So I did that for a little bit, but then I ended up switching over to helicopters. So that's how I ended up doing, doing both. Um, Not so many people switched, right? Like, no, no, that was, that was a very unique situation. So I ended up in Oklahoma city, which is where the E6B is at Tinker air force base. Um, I was a little nervous. It was my first time in the, in that part of the country. I joined the Navy cause I wanted to be on the water, you know, <laughs> the and here, the, and here I am in Oklahoma, Oklahoma <laughs> flying a plane that does not land on a boat at an air force, yeah, base. At an air force yeah. base. Um, but I ended up really liking it. Um, that's the other thing I'll tell people is, uh, is you always end up loving what you fly. Um, and I really, really liked flying the E6. It's, it's fun to fly a big jet like that. Uh, 
the way we flew it. So it's nice. <laughs> well, uh, we flew and we kept nice tight Navy patterns when we're doing touch and goes, we roll that thing over and, and get it, get it nice and tight. No long, uh, long, uh, straight ends like the air force likes to do that's another little jab there to them but to be fair isn't, i've always heard that the air force has the better lifestyles and like either they stay at nicer hotels or they eat better food so they're definitely smarter than us <laughs> they're very good at the, whatever whoever their budget guys are they're very very good and they they know how to get their the stuff they want the navy is navy tells you get that plane in the air i don't care how you get in there just get in there the air force is like oh we can't fly unless we get this part or that part or whatever and they'll so they're they're much better than us at, at getting like that you got four engines right? yeah you got if four you engines three, and some duct tape get that plane in the air <laughs> you know yeah 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 figure it out so um yeah I, I will give the air force that the old uh old joke is they build the uh golf course before the runway and then when they run out of the money they're like well we still need to build the runway so we need more money so that's how they get that so it's pretty smart I'm yeah i kind of like that yeah <laughs> maybe i should have gone to the air force yeah we still have golf courses on our navy bases but we like to give the air force a hard time about that so <laughs> uh there's like a decent amount of dual training between air force and navy right uh we did um when i was going through you could go to like air force primary we had a swap and then uh and they could come to us, and I'm I'm not sure if they do that anymore. Yeah. But um, there's there's always some exchanges going on. Yeah. So were you worried when you were you know flying big wings, as you say, um, for what, probably like five six years? Was it a couple or how long? It's three and a oh, half it? years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty quick. So um, yeah, I winged in June of 2014. Then you go up and you do the fleet replacement squadron, which is where you learn like the specifics of your specific aircraft. So I did that until like January of 15. And so I was there from January 15 to January 18. Um, it was a great experience. When do you get your call sign? Um, it kind of depends yeah. like where you're going through it. So um, what was your call sign? So I ha I've had two. So when I was at East Sixes, it was Gary, which was not a like, the most creative one it was just because they screwed up my name on the first day because my name's gray and it's happened my whole life where people will just read it and just be like well that can't be right it's probably gary and so they said gary so that was that was my one there and then uh in my most recent squadron in helos they didn't like that one so they gave me a, a new one and that's that's brad chad uh i guess just if you wear enough vineyard vines and some bow ties and uh and croquis and all that stuff. Basically a little Southern bro. <laughs> they say you look like a Brad or a Chad. So that's, uh, that's how I like a giga Chad meme or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty much you. Yeah, I guess yeah. I, I like to think I'm a little bit nicer yeah. than that. You know, <laughs> people, are. people tend to appreciate hanging out with me, but I, they do like, uh, <laughs> They do like giving me a hard time for like how I dress and you That's know funny. some of the We're from Charlotte maybe. right I know exactly capital, yeah one of the preppy capitals of the world yeah. get out of here <laughs> yeah so That's funny what was the the kind of either the best or most unfortunate call sign names that you've heard Oh boy uh there's a there's a good amount of them um are some of them not safe to say <laughs> <laughs> There it's it's definitely gone through a thing of uh I, they all call signs have to get like approved now because um, people are definitely pushing the limits. I'll say like the difference in our call signs versus like the air forces call signs. 
is like, it always seems like the Air Force guys have like cool call signs like blazer and laser and all this stuff. Uh, and then, and then the Navy, the goal with their call sign is to just either pick out a trait that personality trait that they think is funny about you or an embarrassing story you had one night or whatever. And that gets turned into your call sign. It's not intended to make you sound cool. Um, so it's always funny. Like you'll, when you're at like a change of command or something and there's this, uh, Oh six captain up there thanking all his buddies in the back. And he's like, and like trash man, you know, and this guy back there. And you're like, they're all other like, O sixes or admirals or whatever. And you're like, it's just funny to hear these like high ranking officers and their call signs are all just something that they did when they were junior officers. And well, it's you funny. Know. Cause it kind of like re- you can relate to them more, right? Exactly. You your same people that are yeah. just like that, that know you as Brad, Chad, yeah. Yeah. Gary. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. You're like the president one day. And yeah. It's like, that's Gary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If only you knew what Gary was like back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. So every time someone does something, you know, dumb on a night out or something like that, people like write that down. That's a good call sign potential or something. So until you have a call sign, you got to be on, on alert. You don't, maybe don't take that extra shot at the bar because you might be doing, doing something (laughs) dumb that's going to stick with you for a while via your call sign. I love it. Oh, that's great. Um, were you worried about going to helicopters and like having to pretty much start training all over again like you had to go back to the beginning i was yeah that was that was pretty crazy uh looking back on it um and it's it was a really unique decision because like i said i loved i ended up loving flying e6s like i tell people the one thing i miss about that is like uh is flying you know some touch and goes that we do and that are really really fun for that big jet and then aerial refueling is something like I really miss doing uh, with the boom. But I really wanted to get back to the water. Like that was like my original passion is flying just submarines. Yeah, just not <laughs> submarines. I wanted to be on the water, in the water. flying, flying to it. And uh, helicopters, like I said, was like a community I wanted to, I always appreciated. And then going back and starting training, the other reason for that is helicopters is a slightly shorter pipeline. You know, like if you'd like, because uh, I've had several f- friends, you know, there's a lot of guys that have, you know, dreams of flying the jets too. And if they don't end up getting that, there's been a couple people, you know, that will put in and can transfer to do that too. But uh, jets is a really long pipeline to eventually get to the thing. So um, when I transferred, I was 28, you know, and you're, st- you are starting over. So you don't want to do something too long. And, and helicopters is something I always wanted to fly and thought it was really would be fun. So, uh, did go back and started off in Milton is where the advanced flight training for helicopters is. Yeah. Um, people did double takes on you cause you have your wings, <laughs> you know, and you're a Lieutenant and they just think you're a, uh, think you're a, flight instructor you're like no i'm a student i have no clue what i'm doing if you fail do you think you have your leather jacket back <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't know that was like a risk i was taking right uh and so yeah helicopters are completely different beasts so um i would it was funny i would get in and we start doing something and like once they knew who i was and found out like i had a thousand hours and uh, they're like, Oh, you'll be fine. And a lot of stuff does translate like the CRM between, uh, I was going from a dual 
dual seater to a dual seater, right? So like I was used to the crew mentality, crew concept. Uh, so that translated instruments is always the same, no matter what. Um, but like hovering is not something you do in an airplane, obviously. So there's, there's also some several times when we're like, I'm still really new to helicopters and the instructor's like, Oh, you, you should know how to do this. I'm like, no, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, I just need to remind you yet again that helicopters are very different. Like, I don't know how to hover. Like, you got to show me. <laughs> I heard hovering is like so against any kind of basic instinct of any, like anything. Like, it is. so foreign. Yeah, it's, it's really impressive, the instructors, because they'll, so you have three controls. You have your, uh, your cyclic, your collective, and then your rudder pedals. So your cyclic is kind of like your stick in between your legs that's controlling and then collective is basically up and down if you it's really simplified for that and then um your rudders are your yaw still so they'll the way they teach you to hover is they'll control two of the three and let you just control the one and just move about in that like plane of motion and so you realize, man, they are very skilled to be correcting for your massive mistakes you're making in that one <laughs> as they're manipulating the other two. And then eventually like they'll let you control two and then three. And then they just have these giant boxes out there and they're like, just keep it in the box. And I mean, it's, it's probably like, I don't know, 50 feet by 50 feet. It's huge. Yeah. And you just, and they're like, all right, you have all the controls and you're just like, boom, boom. <laughs> and you're just, going all over the place and then 50 feet doesn't seem so big yeah know. yeah you're like they're like just keep it inside the concrete square this massive concrete square and you're like i'm trying and then and then a couple of days it, it clicks yeah. and then it's it seems natural to you again Did, when you got back to helicopters were you like man i wish i would have done this my whole career or was it like a, a appreciation for both it was a, definitely an appreciation for both um it was i now I don't think I would do it any other way, even though it's definitely a convoluted path. Cause one, um, now looking at my future to keep flying, having a thousand hours in a heavy jet is really nice to have. Um, and then uh, it was just a unique experience to be, go through a squadron twice as a junior officer. Cause most guys only get that once, you know, and that's always a really special tour in the Navy because that's where you make really close friends. Um, you're deploying together. You're having, you're having a good time. Um, but it's interesting though, because like the dynamic was different. Cause I'm guessing when you first went through, you know, airplane fixed wing training, yeah. you guys are all the same age. Same right. Same age. Yeah. And then, the next time, maybe there's probably some older people. There are, there right? are some older people, but I was definitely called the old yeah, man, like you, you know? Are, yeah. Not, not anymore. Like <laughs> but they're, they're looking up to you and like, what do we do now? Old yeah. Guy? It was definitely some of those things. It's like the, uh, guy that goes back to like high school parties sometimes, yeah. you know, I kind of felt like that sometimes, but I, it was a good time to try to relive my yeah. early twenties again. <laughs> I obviously couldn't do it every weekend. Uh, like I used to, but so Brad Chad came about. Then. Yeah, and then, uh, but I would, I would still try to hang with the young guys every now and then. So that was definitely yeah, fun. That's funny. It's it's definitely different, right? Yeah, it's funny. Um, so now you're almost done, right? Like yeah, your time's almost up. Yeah, every which is crazy to me because ever since we we're three, I always imagined you Navy and like thinking about you being outside the Navy is wild. It is. It's a little scary. So yeah, I'm I'm at the Pentagon right now. Um, Baller. Yeah, <laughs> just pushing papers, <laughs> just pushing papers. Someone's got to push papers up right. there, all right? Yeah, yeah. Sell yourself short. Yeah, we are we are very good paper pushers at the yeah. Pentagon. We we are very good at generating paper. So, uh, 
it was a it's a good tour for me to have though because it kind of confirmed for me like you said like when you're flying it's like this is something i want to do for the rest of my life um and uh i know my wife was telling you last night she's like he came home after a week in the pentagon it's <laughs> like I need to start looking at flying jobs. <laughs> it's like, I can't, I can't sit behind this desk. So if anyone's listening, it works at an airline. They want to hire gray. Yeah. It's yeah. Gonna, yeah. This is, know. this I'll, is my official job like. application. <laughs> yeah. If you like this. And yeah. Give me, give me out of that five sided uh, building. <laughs> as soon as possible. Yeah. When are you officially out? Uh, next year. Okay. Yeah. What's, um, I guess what's your, cause you haven't flown a fixed wing plane in a while. Yeah. So, Obviously, we talked last night. It's like you need to get your ATP, CTP, but you can go rent a plane, like just go to some touch and goes. I think so. Like yeah. definitely get the ATP, CTP done. And then um, I have the 2,000 hours and then I'd like to go touch a plane again, yeah. you know, go do it. Even though a Cessna is nothing close to a 737 or Airbus, uh, but just to just to get the concepts I feel like it's kind of like riding a bike though. For sure. Uh, it might flare a little higher. Than yeah, right. Should, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, right. we're, just try not to stall out the 172. Yeah. <laughs> At 20 feet. Yeah. That'd be bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe take an instructor with me just that first yeah, time. I'd highly recommend that. Yeah. 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 No, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, do that. And then, uh, and then the other thing is also, like you said, uh, with the Navy, I don't think I can completely give the Navy up. So um, I'm looking into uh, trying to do reserves for that. Um, cause Navy has some flying reserves. And so I got to reach out to some people and, and kind of figure that out. But that's definitely something that I want to keep doing to kind of have the... Uh, that connection and you got to hit 20 years, right? Yeah. You're already so close. Yeah. Close. <laughs> yeah. And that does help. Yeah. So that's the great thing about the airline or any sort of, uh, commercial pilot role is the flexibility of that allows you to do the flexibility of the reserves too, you know, cause if you're sitting in an office, you know, all week, it's, it's hard to then, you know, go fly for a couple of days for the yeah. Navy. So as you, as you kind of like progress in the Navy, the more rankings you get, the less likely you are to actually be flying. Right. right. Yeah. I don't know if it's cause you're too important. You can't, your like position can't be sacrificed in case yeah. it goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is like the military, right? Like yeah. you're sent up for a mission. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the, like our, our COs of squadrons and everything, they still fly, you know, they're, they're, good at what they do you know because obviously they've been doing it for a long time um but your workhorses are definitely your lieutenants your o3s are definitely the ones that are getting the bulk of everything um but your subject matter experts are definitely your more senior yeah. pilots and they still get out there but i think once once you're past that it's the admin stuff starts getting yeah. burdened too much and you still try to get to go out and fly but did that yeah, surprise you? Like, did when you were getting out, you're like, oh, I'll probably do this for a while. Or like, like you said, the first week you're there, you're like, this sucks. I'm out. But was that surprising? Uh, it was like, I, like you said, if it's the only thing you ever do, you kind of question it. Like, is this, do I truly love this? And I always thought I did, you know, but you're like, I've never experienced anything else. All I, cause that was the other thing too, with me switching is it allowed me to keep flying. So like, I'd never left the cockpit for 10 years you know, and that's all I knew. And I was like, I was kind of thinking like, well, it'll be nice to have, you know, the regularity of a nine to five. Like I'd never experienced, you know, being able to plan out <laughs> more than a couple of days in advance, right. you know, your life, uh, like you're always like 
dates for weddings. You're like, I think I should be able to go. I'll ask if I can go, <laughs> but I won't know, you know, where you're waiting for the flights. Like yeah. we do daily flight schedules. So I never knew if I was flying the next day until the night before, you know? So I was like, I was kind of, I was like, well, maybe I'm, I'm ready for like that regularity. And it was nice to have the nine to five, but then I was just like, I missed the freedom, yeah. you know, I missed, and I missed the flying. I missed the lifestyle. And it's just nine like, fives are work. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, flying can be work. It can like, be. A lot of times it's pretty boring. <laughs> yeah. It's like chilling and yeah. talking. Yeah, exactly. But nine to fives, it's like, it's a grind. In yeah. Way. It was nice to be able to schedule stuff out. Like I yeah. said, that's the one benefit. You knew you were coming work. home every night. Like all that was nice, but it's just like, you miss the, it truly is freedom. Like a flying career is, you have a ton of freedom. Yeah. So it's just, you can't replicate that anywhere else. So it, it was good to be like, to kind of confirm for me that it's like, yeah, that is something that I want to do before you do end up doing it until you're 65. Yeah, and for sure. maybe you look back and you're like, wait, was this something I really want to do? <laughs> but now I can always be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was like, I, I don't want to do this. That's so good. it's good. You realize that earlier or sooner than later. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. When you, I wanted to bring this up earlier, but when you were doing helicopters, you were stationed in, stationed in the South China sea, right? Or you yep. deployed it there. Yep. I remember either my mom or my dad told me that you're out there. And I was like, this kid is totally going to cause World War III. <laughs> I'm going to read about some helicopter yeah. like doing something. It's like, it's going to say, Gary Guthrie. Uh, yeah. Guthrie. <laughs> it's going to be like, oh, sorry, you're Brad Chad. Brad Chad, then, yeah. Brad Chad Guthrie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he is. But what I want to ask is, you don't have to like, you can just say yes yeah. or no, but um, I'm, gu I'm guessing you kind of saw things start changing for worse or better, whatever it may be, as you're over there. Yeah. Did you ever... Were there any like really like crazy times where like holy shnikes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were up in um um uh, off the coast of Vladivostok, which is the Russian warm water port um over there by it's North like Vladivostok. Vladivostok, yeah. Vladivostok. Uh and And so that's right up by um if you picture by North Korea, um that like southern coast of Russia. And they were doing a joint exercise between China and Russia. And so they sent our destroyer up there to just kind of hang out and see what was going on. So we were flying our helicopter is a good like ISR platform for getting like FLIR camera video back to the Admiral and higher ups and uh, radar to just keep track of like what we're doing. We're just hanging out, just seeing, uh, seeing what they're doing, just like they, want to see what we're doing right. so that was uh they were not happy we were there <laughs> they were really not but we're in international waters right yeah. so they can't really do anything so um there was russian jets you know that were buzzing our ship you know that were intercepting our helicopter um doing what they're trying to do that drone where they knock the drone out <laughs> right yeah we never experienced anything like I would, it was, it was close to unprofessional with what they were doing to the ship with how close they were coming to buzzing. Uh, but like when they were up in the sky, it is kind of funny that like, you don't realize that the other pilots are also like 20 something year olds too, because <laughs> we were intercepted by one of the Russian MIGs and, uh, our, uh, rescue swimmer in the back is also like the door gunner too. You have like a 50 cal in the door. Mm -hmm. So he was we of course kept it like down. So not to be like, <laughs> you know, like we're trying to start something right. You keep it in a locked position. But so he was just standing at the door to see the jet and he's like, I didn't know what to do. So I just waved at him. <laughs> 
and he's like, and the guy waves back at me. So he's like, it's just like, like we're friends now. Yeah. So was, you're just flying around, yeah. you know, neither one off of you guys the coast of Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, like, he's like, I just waved at him. He waved back. So he seems like a good dude. <laughs> um, so that oh was, my gosh, that's hilarious. So that was just us uh, just flying around, and it's just everyone's just watching each other yeah. flying close and Wait for the uh, one idiot to make the wrong move. Right. Yeah. yeah. They, uh, they drove their ship. It made the news actually. Um, they drove their Russian destroyer really close to ours, like on a, like constant bearing, like decreasing range situation, like a game of chicken almost. And we're like, we're not going to crash destroyers with you. So we turned, but we were out in the flight deck watching it. And we're like, cause we were trying to launch one of our helos when this was happening and they kept like getting closer and we got to have like some clearance obviously to launch. Um, and we're sitting there, um, being like, I think that ship's getting pretty close to us. <laughs> and we're talking to the bridge, um, between the like flight tower and the helicopter that's getting ready to launch. And they're like, yeah, they're getting close. We're trying to talk to them and they're warning us off. And so we eventually just broke off and we're like, all right, whatever you guys can do your thing. But, yeah, that was, it's definitely, um, out there when you enter the South China Sea or anything, you're going to have a Chinese destroyer right behind you the whole time. Just watching Does it make you. you nervous and you just like feel comfortable doing your own thing. You, you get used always, to it. You get yeah. used to it. Um, like you're la- every day you're launching inside their missile radius, yeah. you know, but like, you just don't think about that you're just like i i guess if, if they wanted to they could but you hope that they don't helic- yeah. i don't think you can do much in a helicopter yeah no you can't we got some we, we got some go. we got some chaff and flares but uh there's some of these ships have some pretty advanced uh <laughs> anti-aircraft missiles yeah. that uh can not do much so we do those things we had definitely have the techniques and the flares and all that to try to to try to evade but i don't I, when it comes down to it i don't know <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is you'd rather be in your uh e6b than yeah yeah the world e6b is definitely yeah. yeah if world war three start there's no better place to be than a nuclear command and control plane because <laughs> you're you're gonna be okay can you go back can you be like hey, yeah guys? that's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> things get bad you're like i'll uh, do the e6b again please yeah that's like i did a uh i did like a tad assignment for a war game in south korea for like two weeks one time and when I was flying the E6, and that was right when um, things were getting inflamed with them, and uh, and North Korea was threatening to like nuke South Korea, and I was just sitting there in like this bunker in South Korea, being like, "Damn it!" Like <laughs> I was like, I just left my like survival plane to come out here to South Korea right when they're trying to uh, threaten to get nuke. <laughs> I was like, I need to get back. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Funny. looking back on kind of as we talked about, you're getting toward the end of your career. What's the most I'm guessing the answer is going to be the people. But what's the most like memorable part of this whole process that you've gone through? Like because it's different than a civilian, right? We don't, yeah, we don't see the, the stresses that you guys see or even know some of the stuff that goes on. That would probably freak out the whole world. But like, right. What would you say is the one thing that you're going to look back on so fondly about your experience? Yeah, like you said, like the people definitely. Um Every like maintainer, like I flew with flight engineers in the E6. That's a great relationship you have up on the flight deck between pilots and the flight engineers, um, the other pilots. Every um, it's a massive operation to keep some of these Navy aircraft in the sky. Right. So like with the like the E6 especially had massive massive maintenance department. So all those guys working uh, hard. So 
you always look back on all the people and then it's just like you said it's unique that becomes such a unique thing that becomes like an everyday thing for you that you have to kind of like every couple months or so you just have to zoom out and be like am i really doing this you know because it just becomes routine to like land on the back of a destroyer you know at night in a storm or whatever and you're just like oh that's just my what I do for my life, job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's just, a, go home and FaceTime yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. And everyone's like, Oh my God, that's so cool. Like what you're doing. And you're like, and you're like, Oh wow, that is kind of cool, but you don't realize it. And so that, I think that is the fun thing about it is it is, it's just a job. It's what we do. It's definitely, it's a calling too. you know, people are very proud um, to serve the country and all that. But when it comes down to it, it's a job and, you have to zoom out and be like, wow, it is a cool job though. (laughs) Like it's cool. It's, it's really fun. So yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's what I'll definitely look back on is being trusted as a young 20 year old to do the things I was trusted to do. Which is crazy. It's it's crazy. Yeah, I know. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's, (laughs) it's wild that the Navy lets you do some of the things they let you do. Um, And so that is, that is definitely, I could not think of a better way to like spend your twenties than, than doing naval aviation. So that's, that's definitely what I'll look back on. And then would you change anything? Like, would you go ROTC? Would you go, uh, officer training school or commission school? Yeah. What would you do? Or would you go back to the Academy? I'd go back. Yeah. I go back. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know at at 33, I could definitely not make it through those those days. You're talking back to 18 year old. Yeah. Yeah. 18 year old Greg could do it again. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I do it. Cause it's like I said at the beginning, it's all, it's all worth it. You know, you develop such great friendships and you have such unique, unique experiences that you, you really get to, look back on fondly so Does yeah it help now so say like your kid wants to go you already graduated is that like a, a step up for him or is he still it's a like- it's all i think it's a little bit like admissions people are notoriously tight-lipped about like what what gets people through but i think just like anything else it's just one other thing that adds to your application whether it's just it's just another check mark like an eagle scout or a pi- private pilot's license whatever it's just one thing that is in the whole person concept of like what they're looking at so but maybe, yeah, if I if you stay in and like become a three or four star, star admiral, yeah. then maybe you can apply a little bit more pressure <laughs> than if you just get out as lieutenant commander. But <laughs> so. so now you have to stay. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forever. That's the, You're gonna be on yeah, the only way I, we're making sure he gets free college if I stay until <laughs> four star admiral and Look, then say, you anymore, right? <laughs> yeah, like yeah make sure we need you to get that full rush. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's pretty much all the questions I have. I just have one more section. It's a rapid fire question section. Okay. And so it's all aviation themed. Um, and you just say the first thing and the quickest answer. Okay. So I'm going any, I mean, you can go into a little detail, but just like whatever comes first. Okay. Even if it's stupid, you got to say it. So okay. Sorry. But uh, they're really easy, so it won't be bad. But I'll start off with the easy ones. What's your favorite airplane ever made? Uh... I'll go with the Boeing 707. <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> uh, do you ever, what about corporate or airlines? Do you have any like affinity for any planes like that? Like a 747 or like a Gulfstream? Um, yeah, just, I like the 747's look. I think it's yeah. just a classic, classic look. And I a cool plane. got to see it up close and more in Offutt Air Force Base. Like there's, that's where the- um, And where Moffitt? Offit. Oh, off it. No, off it. Moffitt's also a different base, but <laughs> off it. Like, I, uh, uh, I don't think they're, yeah. <laughs> they're doing it. In Omaha, they have uh NAOC, which looks like Air Force One. Yeah. Um, and so got to see the 747 up close and it's just yeah, it's a 
beautiful plane. Is it the Doomsday? Is it? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, saw the Doomsday one. Yeah, Touch and Goes in Oklahoma City, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So I that's, also heard that they always have either the engines running or the plane is always ready to go at all. It's time. always they have uh, they have people on alert, and then they have uh, engine turn qualified maintainers sitting in the cockpit ready to start the engines. Jeez. So by the time the pilots get there, it's ready to, ready to go. go. Yeah. Yeah, like it's wild. Said, this will be fast, and we already took 10 minutes. I know, time, exactly. <laughs> all right, this one might be difficult for you because you probably weren't exposed to all the GA that I was, but what's the ugliest airplane you've ever seen? Ugliest airplane I've ever seen. Uh, say the ugliest Navy trainer if you want, if that's easier. Or helicopter. Yeah. Do you know what a Piaggio is? No. It's like, it looks like a catfish. <laughs> so by default, I'm going to make you that your answer. Okay, I I appreciate that. That's my yeah. least favorite airplane in the world. <laughs> I'll show you a picture. Of okay, it. yeah. Or a shorts 360. Those are really bad too. I'll let you choose and I'll, I'll edit okay. it. Okay. <laughs> What's something you wish you knew before you became a pilot? Um, I'd say... <sighs> This isn't a quick answer. Do, 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 do. <laughs> we'll edit it. Make it fast. Don't worry. <laughs> um, who's someone in the industry you'd like to meet most? It could be like a famous naval pilot or just a famous pilot in general or an astronaut. Um, I would say uh, Jim Lovell. Okay. Okay. There you go. What's your favorite thing about aviation? I would say the freedom. <laughs> What's the hardest flight you've ever had? Like one where either you were like, dang, I almost killed myself or you're like, I'm never touching a plane again or helicopter again. Uh, I don't know. I've had several like <laughs> several emergencies, but I'd say just some of those bad weather nights. Yeah. They're just like bad weather, low ceilings. You don't know if you're going to get in low fuel. All that. I've had that a couple times where you're fuel just, sounds like a yeah 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 you start <laughs> you start getting in but yeah just three a.m. Yeah. ceilings below men's you know the it's closed tower yeah. and you're just like man I, we really need to get in <laughs> Open a nine to five yeah yeah <laughs> what's uh, what's your favorite airport that you did touch and goes at in the E six B um I would say. Um, I'd say probably like Glacier Park in Montana. It's really pretty. Yeah, I did at a different time. Yeah, it's actually really pretty. I'm guessing this will be your answer for this one, but what's your least favorite airport you had to land at in the E6B? Was it when you went to Grand, what was it, Grand Falls instead of Glacier Great, Park? Great Falls, Great, Mon Falls. Great Falls, Montana. It's definitely not Glacier Park, Montana. <laughs> I can tell you that. Uh, yeah, that or uh, um, Pax River. Pax River is a daytime uh like test field. And so the E6, we would land there after it was closed a lot. So it's, it's never fun doing close tower with just a tack in, uh, <laughs> going in. So that was always an annoying thing. Meanwhile, I've never flown a tack in approach in my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Arcing tack in, yeah. arcing tack in into Pax river. So hopefully they never Not take fun. out the GPSs. Yeah. Please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you have an IFR or VFR? Um, I don't know. Well, I spent a thousand hours flying IFR in Class A airspace, a thousand hours flying VFR in helicopters. So it's a pretty even split for me. <laughs> <laughs> you got to choose, man. Uh, I'd say VFR. All right, all right. Helicopters or planes? If you could buy one, what would you buy? If I could buy one, yeah. I would probably buy a helicopter just to mess around in. Yeah. I think it would be fun. 
Would you rather fly over mountains, the beach, or cities? Uh, mountains. Long trips or short trips? So I'm saying like, all right, you got your helicopter and you're flying it the longest you can possibly fly it or you could do as many short trips as you could possibly do. Long trip. What's the hardest check ride you ever had? Um, In primary. Okay. Yeah, it's beginning. What's the biggest win of your career? Like the day where you're like, this is like the literally, was it, I'm guessing you're, when you got your naval wings, but. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> What's the biggest regret of your career? So one where you're just like, dang, I should have done that. Um, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I feel pretty, pretty good. I'd have to think <laughs> about. Like, I think back. Perfect. To, I'm, I'm an amazing pilot. <laughs> no, okay. I'm sure. I'm sure. If I went back through, yeah. there's definitely. We always debrief a lot of flights, so I've definitely made many mistakes <laughs> that I would like to get back. <laughs> Last one would be, what's your favorite airline? So this would be just like you fly on. Like, say you and the family are traveling to Australia, right? Who are you, gonna, who are you going on? Um. I'll tell you who I'm not going on is Tap Portugal. That was <laughs> the worst experience I've ever had in my life. Just calling them out. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. I guess you're not getting hired by Tap Portugal. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, uh, I like Delta. Okay. Yeah. There they've always know. been nice. Yeah. Well, so I know some people at Delta if you want to fly. There. Yeah. So. <laughs> Got you. Uh, well, great, man. Thanks so much for coming on. This is cool. It's uh, like full circle life, right? Yeah. Like growing up together. Yeah. Both of us come pilots and doing our own thing and. I know in your house and you have a kid and we're old. Uh, I know exactly. We're not young anymore, (laughs) but I appreciate your service and everything you've done for the country. And, uh, yeah, look forward to to seeing you continue your career. All right. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. All right. Aviation Nation, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, follow Pilot the Pilot on Instagram and make sure you take someone's phone and subscribe to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Who knows, you might create some new pilots in the future. But Aviation Nation, hope you're having a great one. As always, happy flying.